This podcast proudly brought to you by Moss Shot Shells. Old school is back in season. Experience superior shells when you go with Boss Shot Shells. Their premium, non-toxic bismuth shells knock birds down so hard that the old guys might just think they're shooting lead again. Make sure you check out Boss Shot Shells for your next purchase of shotgun shells. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On this week's episode, just Elliot and I holding down the fort, and this week we're doing something a little different. We're taking a specific listener question from a new guy in the waterfowl scene, Cody. So stay tuned for that. First, quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into the content. Gunner's American-made dog boxes come with a lifetime warranty and the market's only CPS crash test certification. The guys over at Gunner Kennels have conducted major stress tests to show just how strong they really are, like applying 4,000 pounds of force, dropping a 630-pound hammer from 8 feet, and shooting it with a 12-gauge shotgun at 7 paces with no bullet penetration. Engineered for your dog and built for your peace of mind. Gunner doesn't cut any corners. Nothing comes close to the G1. Go to GunnerKennels.com and use code DuckGun10 at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at ShotCam. Now, I've been using ShotCam for the last year, and I can tell you right now, it's a great tool for improving your shooting, whether you're doing clays or live birds or just want to see some cool footage of your shots after the fact. Make sure to check out shotcam.com and use discount code DUCKGUN at checkout for $40 off. Hi, this is Killian Bailey from Bailey's Game Calls. I'm here to tell you about our duck, goose, and wood duck calls. We use 3D printing technology to revolutionize the industry. This new technology allows us to create calls with the same sound as wood, acrylic, or anything in between that's at a fraction of the price. Make sure to check out baileysgamecalls.com for your next game call. Next, we'd like to give a big thanks to our partners at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with their system of wind socks and silhouettes. Use discount code DUCKGUNPOD at checkout for 10% off your next order at whiterockdecoys.com. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me tonight, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. By the time that everyone is listening to this podcast, hopefully I will have caught about 35 monster pike up in the Sandhills of Nebraska. That's awesome. Hopefully that's the case. So if I'll tell you guys, if you follow me on Instagram at Freelance Duck Hunting, if you have not seen lots of pike pictures, then the trip was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully you get into them. And yep. hopefully you guys get to, you're going to eat some of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're delicious. They're, they're, you have to, there's a special way to clean them cause they've got bones in certain areas. Um, that yeah, a lot of that. fish don't, but yeah, they're delicious. We had them up there last time and they were just anytime, anytime you're camping in a tent, everything tastes twice as good. So, <laughs> but it was, they're good. They're good. Awesome. All right. Well, before we get into the podcast topic and, uh, 
No. Before we get into the podcast topic, um, I got a story for you. So let's hop back to about Saturday night, middle of the night, and I wake up and I just have like this terrible like, burning, terrible burning um, and itching feeling. And uh, and so, you know, I'm just I'm just going at it, itching, itching like terrible. What's itching? Crazy. Um, so <laughs> if you're not, where you been? Uh, <laughs> I thought chief was the one running around town late at night. <laughs> uh, let's yeah, def, that's not what happened. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, um, mm, yeah. If you have children, you know, give them the little earmuffs, but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's my balls. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just terrible itching and so you know i go at it itch i'm like well i mean sometimes they just itch right you know (laughs) so like this is in the middle of the night um so i just i mean i i mean i've probably never itched him as hard as i did right then in the middle of the night and so i just did you stop and said did you stop and ask your wife to help you out with the scratching no i didn't i just (laughs) (laughs) just itched him and went back to sleep well anyways i wake up in the morning to like sharp shearing terrible pain and it just felt like a colony of fire ants had got on me. Oh, my God. Anyways, <laughs> turns out somehow I got just terrible poison ivy in one of the worst places you can imagine. How did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. So I have like a little spot like on my ear and like a little splotch on my like arm and like a little splot- splotch on my chest. And then... um. And this is awkward to talk about, but yeah, my ball sack, ball sack was like swollen. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you how it happened. You had it on your hand, and you deliberately went down your pants. No, I don't. I don't know. That's, That's had to have been but, what happened, unless you were out running around naked in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But for anyone that knows, I get poison ivy terrible to like the point where I get like steroid shots and all that kind of stuff, and I have like an arsenal of poison ivy fighting liquids in the closet <laughs> so, oh, man. so yeah it, um let's just say that this last week and a half has been one of uh I, half a week it's only been a half a week um feels like a lot longer but it's been one of the most uncomfortable half a weeks in my life <laughs> oh my now i've never had poison <laughs> ivy i'm i'm immune to really? it. really that's so yeah lucky. but i'm certainly glad i've never had poison ivy there mm. of all places for sure yeah yeah so usually I'm pretty good at preventing it. Like if I get it, I just don't touch it, don't itch it, and I'm pretty good at avoiding that. But it's the times when you don't know you have it that you can spread it. So, <laughs> so how long does it take? Um, it takes uh, like a week get... and a half for it to run its course. So you still in the midst of it now? Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you just every second feel like you want to scratch? Um. You... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I would not be shaking your hand during this period of time. <laughs> because uh, I seriously uh, doubt every time you scratch, you're running to the bathroom to wash your hands. Let's just say that. Well, you, let's, I mean, you, obviously you don't sh- scratch. I mean, it's this gets a, a very awkward conversation, but we're already here, so what can you do? <laughs> I mean, you don't really itch it under your pants, obviously. <laughs> and, I mean, man, I guess we're already here, so, I mean, it's not like you can really itch balls it's one of those things that they kind of just move out of the way when you go to itch you know (laughs) if that makes any sense at all oh wow (laughs) so either three possibilities here 
either one, you got the oil on your hands and immediately stuck your hands down your pants. Because I have been around you, do stick your hands down your pants a lot. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, you were urinating onto poison ivy and somehow it can climb, which I don't think that's the case. But um, electricity certainly can. I know that for a fact. <laughs> Um, or three, you were wiping yourself in the woods and you accidentally used poison ivy. No, I, yeah, it probably just got on my hands and, yeah. you know, <laughs> somehow it got there. But. So did you go to the doctor and have to drop your pants or, or what? No, I didn't. Honestly, it was, yeah, I, it was, I didn't. So <laughs> have you shown your wife? Um, yes, of course. <laughs> She's like, let me see, Jordan. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, why me? <laughs> why me? Well, keep your hands out of your pants and you wouldn't have this problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> uh, I knew I shouldn't have told you about this. <laughs> well, you know, my oldest, uh, Simeon, who we call Freakin' Smash, if you watch the um, Freelance Duck Hunting videos, um, you know the whole freaking smash backstory. Well, he he can be a little goofy and silly. Let's just say that sometimes. And so um, I've always taught him, you know, leaves a three, let him be thing, right? Leaves a three, let him be. That way, if, you know, if if it's got three little leaves there, whether it's poison or not, just be safe and stay away from it. So him and his buddy were on top of this little shack, and they didn't realize that poison ivy actually can grow kind of into a tree, you know? <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and yeah. not just a vine. So they're on top of this little shed and they see these leaves of three up there. And in their little dumb elementary school minds, this is about five years ago. Well, that can't be poison ivy, right? So they they grab this, what is poison ivy, and they're, they're mockingly chanting the um, <laughs> leaves of three, let them be story as they're sticking poison ivy down each other's shirts. <laughs> that didn't turn out so great for him, oh, which is wow. really awesome because ultimately if they're mocking that song, he's mocking what I've told him, right? <laughs> Bam. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't mock that song anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, poison oaks, five leaves. I don't know if you know that, but. Oh, is it every time I've seen poison oak, I just think of it as a, a hairy vine. Um, no, it's, it's, it grows like on the floor of the woods, like crazy too. Huh. I don't yeah. know if we don't have that as much around here or maybe really? again, I'm just, because I never, ever think anything about, uh, <laughs> and I know I don't, when I'm in the woods with Aiden, cause I don't, I don't even worry about it. Cause I just, yeah, you don't have it. So the only time I worry it. about it is if I'm with kids and trying to identify it, but I never hear Aiden talking about, um, poison oak and that type of thing because he's really allergic to it. So I'm assuming maybe we just don't have it as much. Hmm. Here, I know the hairy vine. If you see a tree with a hairy vine going up, it you stay away from it. Yeah, um, no, that's uh, that's usually poison oak too, or poison yeah. ivy vine, one of the two. Yeah, but yeah, the the poison ivy, three leaves, poison oak, five leaves. I'm definitely allergic to all of it. Mm. So yeah, every I'm lucky. summer it gets me one way or another. <laughs> I'm not, and apparently, um, and I didn't know this that mosquitoes can sniff out a certain blood type, and they like some blood types more than others. Um, and I've got whatever blood type they don't really care for. Now I will get some bug bites, but, um, from season three, hunt number two, Dan and Aiden and Nevin and I went camping in the woods and Dan and Aiden were getting attacked by mosquitoes so bad at night that they almost got in the boat and took off and Nevin and I weren't bothered <laughs> at all, at all. So mm. it must be a blood type thing. Aiden, man, they love Aiden, mm. but who, who doesn't? I mean, you know, who doesn't? Yeah. So, 
yeah that was my story um good story. little different than our our normal podcast topics but yeah that's what's going on so anyways our topic for this week kind of changing gears pretty quickly here but um we're gonna do a little bit of these uh these tutorial type podcasts coming up so um we actually got messaged by cody um cody is a new duck hunter and so i'm gonna go ahead and read you guys what he sent us um, hey Jordan, I'm a big fan of your channel and also Elliot's. I appreciate everything you do with YouTube channel and also the podcast. I'm always watching your videos and listening to the podcast. It's an everyday thing for me. What you and Elliot have uh, both do have helped me a lot. I started waterfowl hunting last year and I've learned a lot from you both. Keep up the good work. Uh, I'm looking forward to future podcasts and videos. Um, thank you, Cody. We really appreciate that. Um, and you don't have to worry. We'll both keep pumping out the content on the podcast and the YouTube side of it. But Cody had a suggestion for a podcast topic. And being a new waterfowl hunter, we're always glad to help, especially the younger guys getting into it, or the newer guys, I should say. Yeah, but before we move on, I will say we love getting contacted and messaged and asked questions and um, so you can, you can find us on Facebook at fellowship of the duck guns, um, at freelance duck hunting or at duck gun chronicles on Instagram. And also our YouTube channels are freelance duck hunting and duck gun chronicles. So feel free to go and find us on those places. And also please remember if you like what we're doing and you find yourself listening to duck gun podcast, um, give us a rating and review at iTunes. That's something that certainly really helps us out. Yeah, and if you want to hear some more poison Ivy stories or, you know, some crazy, um, different content from us, you know, make sure you give us that five star. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So here is Cody's suggestion for the topic tonight. Um, a good suggestion for me for a topic would be um, new waterfowler with limited resources, limited time to scout, and someone who mainly solo hunts. What would be the best way to find new areas to hunt? So we're going to go through, Elliot and I have made our list and kind of combined them in one, but we're going to go through and talk about um, how we'd tackle this if we were in your shoes as new waterfowl hunters. Yeah. And I'll say that, um, you know, my experience from this, I moved to the area I'm in now, um, and didn't, and had, and didn't know where to hunt and what to do. And so, and I didn't have any hunting buddies at all. So I took about a three year process to fully scout this area. So this is something within the last, you know, 10 years that I've really had to tackle. Now I wasn't a new duck hunter, but I certainly had to go about figuring out this place all on my own. And and I look back at that part of it as, as really fun because every time you find a new place or a new area, especially when you find it on your own and you shoot ducks there, it's extremely gratifying. So this is a good topic. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of along the same lines, um, I'm, I'm a new hunter relatively as well. So um, I think we can definitely pull some information from the memory banks on this one. So uh, let's go for the first the first suggestion I would have is use your state resources um, as in like you check out uh, FWAs or FWMAs, whatever they're called in your local state. Um, you can definitely check those out. Um, a lot of the states have really good programs where they have public land to hunt. It can be crowded. There's states that have draws. Um, there's states that are free for all, kind of like Elliot. Um, all kinds of different things so you know check those out online check them out on the map and some of them honestly are hard to find they're not ne necessarily marked well depending on the state all that kind of stuff um, but another thing is if you can figure out a local um <coughs> excuse me local dnr officer's number 
or contact information, a lot of times they can uh, help you um, find those resources or, or kind of point you in the right direction. Yeah, and I don't know about every state, but most states have a website. And on the, I, the first thing that I would do is search every piece of information that you can find on that website. Like I know Kansas has a specific waterfowl section. And under that section, they've got listed every single public complex. And then you can click on them and a map will pop up and show you because step one you know what's around me what places do i have at my disposal um that i can even hunt so the, so and the um, state website is certainly the best place to um start that out of just and make a list of it don't don't just look at it make a list and find out how far they are from you and which ones i, I would make a list of priority um which ones that, that you want to tackle one at a time yeah. And so then, you know, kind of beyond that, um, and Elliot said he didn't have anybody to ask and I didn't really have like the, the, the people I talked to didn't do a lot of public land hunting when I was first getting into it. They did a lot of private. So, um, they didn't have a lot of information, but they could kind of give me a little, a little bit like of a, uh, a lowdown of what to expect from the regulations on hunting rivers and, um, you know, public land. So there's some knowledge you can definitely get if you have hunting buddies that already do it but if you're doing solo hunting a lot there's probably a good chance that you don't um but yeah uh definitely if you have anybody who's hunted or know of anybody that did that does hunt then you could uh you know get some more information along the same lines as that yeah and the second one i would say this um after you have fully exhausted your state um websites and you've made a list of all of the public grounds that you want to take a look at then look look more closely at these areas on Google Maps and really identify where they are, how far of a drive they are from you. And then with Google Maps, I spent hours staring at Google Maps at these at these individual areas because some places will have obvious marshes, but then alongside with the obvious marshes, you've got depressions that will get filled up during a flood or during rainy years. So I would spend a lot of time on those Google Maps. And um, anymore, when Google Maps first came out, you had to download it. And now you can just, you, you get on, you don't have to download it at all, but you can still download it. And the advantage of downloading Google Maps is that they have historical map data. So you can go clear back to like, I think 19, early 1990s and look at, at um, your areas over the years. And what that will allow you to do, it'll allow you to track kind of how the water works. Because some, some years it's going to be high water, some years it's going to be low water. So you can see over the past, you know, 20, 30 years where water pools up if it's on high water, what the area looks like under low water. So it can really, um, it can really help you in, in finding those little depressions. In fact, um, Aiden and I hunted a place that now we're calling the Great Depression. I had been keeping my eye on this place for 10 years um, because on Google Maps, I could tell that this place sometimes gets flooded and it's really hard to get to, but it just never had. And so we had this huge flood, this place we were hunting and I'm like, I bet you that's holding water. And Aiden and I went out and scouted it and sure enough, it was flooded. There was ducks all over the place. So the second day, um, after, after opening day, we hunted this place and we didn't shoot our, no, we did shoot our limit actually. Yeah, we did shoot our limit. And I had been keeping my eye on this place for place for literally 10 years, knowing that there was a time and a place that this could flood just because the way the map looked, you could tell 
that that from the vegetation and the colorations that's that sometimes water probably held there so get to know those google maps really carefully yeah definitely uh definitely um something that i've found time to do as well kind of looking at google maps um you get a break on lunch anything like that at work i don't know if you use computer or everybody has a smartphone nowadays but you can just look um, and another thing I do too, uh, as well, and I don't do it as much now. My commute is way shorter. Um, now I have like a five minute commute, but I used to have like a 45 minute commute and there's a lot of different ways you can drive home when you got to drive 45 minutes, even if you're stretching it out, out to an hour. Um, and I definitely found some more places to hunt, just changing up the way I drive to drive by some of these places, um, that I'd find in Google, Google maps, um, which, you know, kind of kind of helps you you know get a good chance at definitely doing that off season or in season as well because you'll see the birds so it's just something to always do check the google maps have places you want to drive by and and scout out and and keep a list of it keep notes you want notes somewhere of and if you download the google um apps you can actually put notes and and uh, at least on on a pc I i don't probably can't on a phone but you can put little pins and keep notes on places. So I would literally have like a pin that would say need to scout, or it would say scouted this area, um, looked like it might be ducky under high water, you know, but just keep a detailed, be systematic about it. Yeah. And you can do all that in Google maps too, and and keep it right on your, on your Google drive and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's a really good resource as far as digital. Um, But that kind of leads us into our next um, tip and that's off season scouting. So, um, during season, a lot of the problem you run into in season is um, either you want to hunt or you're tempted to hunt a spot you've scouted and you've seen like a decent amount of birds, and so you just go hunt. And a lot of times you don't get as much scouting in during season as maybe you can off season, especially driving around and all those kind of things. But off season, you really don't have as much to do. Um, well, maybe you do. I don't have as much to do because I can't duck hunt. But um, I would say you know off-season scouting you just have a ton of opportunity a ton of time to go out there and look and it kind of gets better your scouting um as far as like conditions go because they're more similar similar to season the closer you get to season but really you can do it at the end of season the through the summer or the end of season or right before season so anytime you can get out there and, and look at habitat and uh just look at different possible locations um you know another thing is if if there's a, a kind of a lake or anything like that you want to go hunt um you know just go out there take your kayak and go for a fishing trip um you'll get a lot of information um just doing stuff and really being in the spots that you want to want to be at and want to hunt and i would say uh, my goal was to be was to know the areas that i was trying to learn like the back of my hand and don't expect this to come overnight because i know the, the place we hunt more often than anywhere else it took me three full years to really feel like I knew this place. Now this place is, some places are easier to scout than others. Cause sometimes you just say, well, March a March B. But if you have a place that has a lot of little pools, a lot of little hidden stuff, it might take you a few years to really understand a place and know every single little nook and cranny, um, that that place has. So get out there and just really get to know the area. Well, don't be afraid to walk back in and, and put, put a lot of effort into it and really learn the place. So the next one would be, um, let's see, keeping a log of each place in which you think of the habitat. We talked about that one. 
Um, if you get beat to a spot, head out to new grounds that you're wanting to try out. Uh, scout it out if you get there at sunlight. Um, Jordan, we were actually talking about this the other day because you were saying you wanted to try out these certain spots and you've never been there and you don't want to give up like a, a hunt day on it. And so, you know, one, one good tactic during season to do on that is just show up at sunrise and sit in the parking lot and see what the birds are doing. Um, watch them at sunlight and then plan on being hunting like at 10 o'clock. Now, when I was learning the place I hunt now, I just dove in. And if I looked at my hunt logs, which I keep on freelancehuntstats.com, uh, you can see the progression because when I, the first year I started learning this area, I was hunting a, two or three different marshes. And then towards the end, I hit a couple new ones. Well, the next year I was hunting a new little set of marshes and you could see where I was scouting year by year. I bounced around the place and I didn't really take that advice of waiting. I just dove in and, and learned as I went. But I think that if it'd probably be a faster learning curve if you did a little bit more sitting in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, it's always tempting not to do that. Um, and one of the things we call, which is, it's very similar to doing that, but if you're going to a new spot, um, we call it kind of like a hunt scout where you go out there and you scout it. So you can still get out there some ways and a lot of places you can't see from the parking lot, but, um, you're not necessarily too concerned about the number of ducks you're going to kill, or if you're going to kill any, it's just all about learning the spot. You just go out there, throw out a small set and sit and if anything comes in you can get a few birds if not you're out there to scout so it's a hunt scout and uh it's kind of you know there's spots where you go to let's say you go to it all the time um, maybe there's some competition there and you get beat to the spot there's nothing wrong with you know keeping that list and that kind of goes back to what elliot says and i probably need to do a better job of this because when you get in the heat of the season and, and you're really focused on the spots you've been scouting um, but if you need a plan B and you think you don't really have an option at the other places, um, you can just jump to one of these spots you have on your list that you've been wanting to try out. And, and kind of a, a good story that goes along with this, um, there's a spot I've been wanting to try on the river. And the river, the main river goes through, and then there's a bay that the water is really stagnant on. But then at the back, a creek goes through it. So the whole thing freezes up. And every time it freezes up during the year, um, I pretty much go to this one spot. It's one of my favorite places to hunt. I have really good success. Um, but generally, I don't go back in this location. Um, and there was days where I wanted to go there, and I can and remember. Um, and I never tried it. And uh, I'd always go to another spot, and then if I got beat, even one time I went home, which that's the only time I've ever done that. But if I would have thought of that spot at that time, um, you know, it would have been a perfect time to do it. And eventually, um, this year I actually went out there. Um, and I went, it was a perfect time to go out there and, and, and I went out there and if I just would have gone out previous years, I would have realized sooner that, yeah, the spot that I think is going to be good at this time of the year is, it's amazing. And it was a really, really good spot. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to go out outside of your comfort zone and, and not, not every time it's not going to be a home run. It's not going to be your plan B is not going to be awesome, but when it does, you know, you, you realize how worth it is to try out different things. And a lot of times we get caught in our mind a perception of a place um, based on too little information. We might not think it's going to be a great place, and so we don't really go there. But then we found out, man, this place is way better than I ever thought it was. And, and pools can change from year to year. I know um, our very go-to place at our complex the last two years, I can't even tell you how many mileage we've shot off that place. The previous five, probably previous seven years, um, we shot mostly teal, gadwall, 
um, shovelers. So, I mean, places can change. So don't don't get stuck in your mind a, per a certain perception of a place without really getting out and, and trying to get on it a bunch. And uh, one kind of point I want to go back um, and hit, I think we might have glossed over it in one of the points, but um, when you're trying out some of these spots or you're going to a spot you've already been at a lot, maybe you got pushed out because you don't want to be too close to somebody else, um, but you know, expand on your pre-existing spots. And that kind of goes back to Elliot was saying, know your spots inside out, and that's the surrounding areas of your spot as well. So a lot of times you can hunt and you think this spot's the X and maybe it is, but you know, maybe, uh, you know, you can get 500 yards away from wherever they're setting up and this spot is still really solid. So I would just say expand on the spots you already know that are really ducky. Um, you can get on the fringes of them and still have really good hunts. Yeah. And, and, you know, Cody mentioned that he's going to be hunting by himself most of the time. And for this type of situation, that's probably a benefit. So I know when I was going through my process of learning all these marshes, it was just me and Izzy. And I, I kind of saw every hunt is just like, you know, this is just a learning experience. And it's a beautiful morning. If I don't do real well, don't don't put the pressure on yourself to stack up a, a bunch of birds. I mean, you may see on Instagram everybody posting piles, but the reality is there's lots of people that are having a lot of bad hunts. So don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Just get out and enjoy it and enjoy learning the place enjoy the sunrise and so don't put in don't put any massive expectations on yourself to just pound them and put together limits well i mean honestly the last season i'm pretty sure i didn't um have any hunts that weren't limits for me no no you were just pounding <laughs> this is your true. year I got, I got skunked a lot so this is your year because you're coming to kansas a bunch so <laughs> yeah uh, hopefully uh, but all but in all reality um you know that, that is uh, a really great suggestion. And I will say that it is a ton of fun just trying out new places. It's kind of like the unknown. You're going, and then when you just get those few birds, it really feels really good because you have low expectations going into to something like this. And, I mean, you know, like like one thing that impresses me about you, Jordan, is when you first started duck hunting, your first 11 hunts, you didn't shoot a single bird. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Tell everybody that. <laughs> well, still, I mean, no, you were you were learning it by yourself. You didn't have a mentor. You were, I mean, you stopped and talked to people in the parking lot, like, you know, distances and tried to gain information from them and your perseverance. I mean, how many people do you think after six or seven hunts would have been like, okay, duck hunting sucks, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you really pushed through and you ended up the following year really having a good year, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it does take some legwork at the beginning, uh, getting going for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that does bring us to the next point. I think it's me up again, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, talk to everyone, um, and like I'm not naturally, and it sounds weird because you know I'm running a podcast, I'm talking all the time, but I'm not naturally. I wouldn't say I'm naturally um, an extrovert. I'm more um, an, an introvert, but um, I would say it's just it's great information to talk to everybody. Um, for me, it, it it is easy to talk to anybody about duck hunting, though. So you go at the boat launch, you're getting done asking everybody how they're doing, how it went, um, stuff like that. And you're not going to get, you know, the juicy details a lot of times. They're not going to drop you a pin on the map. I mean, they might. They might be really nice, but most of the time you're not going to get any crazy information from anybody. But the more you talk to people, even if you're hunting the same spots, three or four people, 
later and you kind of got the full story on the spot everybody kind of gives you tidbits here and there nobody wants to give you the full stuff and, and I, I understand that as well everybody's a little bit protective of their spots um but it's also nice to help out the new guys getting into it so um i'd say talk to everybody everywhere you go and you see a duck hunter um out there hunting you know go talk to them see what they got to say and parking lots are your best place to do that, whether you're scouting or going in or coming out from a hunt. And when you approach someone to talk to them, you can tell within a matter of seconds as to whether they want you approaching them or not. I mean, some guys will be, their whole body language is tensed up and, and you know, they won't even hardly make eye contact with you and, you know, walk away from those guys. But there is a significant number of guys that would love to talk with you about things. In fact, I was scouting, um, early on in me scouting this complex I've been talking about um this guy it was teal season and I didn't I wasn't even I was just scouting I wasn't even hunting and this guy was coming off this pool and he had a little tiny airboat and I got talking to him in the parking lot and he's like yeah let me show you this place we hopped back in his airboat he took me right to his <laughs> best spot and was like this is it right here I was like, wow, okay. And I ended up actually getting his number, and he showed me around some spots. And, and in fact, he showed me – he took me hunting on a spot I never went back to because it was his spot. But, I mean, I just couldn't believe this guy was like – drove, put me in his in his airboat and showed me the spot exactly. He's like, you come to this spot, and it's like TV shows. They're just flocking in. <laughs> I never have done well. – in fact, that's the same spot I met Aiden at, and I never have done well there. But, but he was a like great the next- guy. The next Saturday, he shows up at like four in the morning, but you're already there. <laughs> yeah, well, he he was just like, you know what? This is public land. I don't own it. I don't care. He was, he was actually a younger kid. It was it was really cool. But yeah, talk to people and just read them real quick because people will duck hunters ultimately want to talk about duck hunting, and if they've done well somewhere, they want they inside a lot of them want to tell you about it because they feel good about it. So yeah. you'll be surprised what you can learn just saying hi to people. I've I've given away too inf- too much information sometimes. I'm like, oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, this kind of uh, also kind of like dropping back to what we talked about previously um, with doing all your homework. So a lot of times people will reference places and all this kind of stuff. And if you have this list of places you wanted to try and someone mentions it, it's like that's the green light. Um, you know, go check it out. Maybe it's not a home run, but. Um, one of my spots that I that I hunt now, I had actually drove there in the off season. I'd looked it up on the map, all that kinds of stuff, and then somebody told me, "Hey, at the right times of year, um, this place is good." And then somebody else told me, "Hey, I went there um, and shot limits back to back during um, the later part of the season." So then you you kind of start to build that kind of confidence in a place you haven't tried. So it all kind of goes back to that talking to people, doing your homework, and it all combines. Yeah. And I will say, if you're hunting rivers and scouting rivers, um, in our area, the river levels fluctuate a great deal. And so, like, for example, this um, spring, I was back in the river and I found a little slough that in my mind I had an idea was there. Um, but I never really looked at it under prime conditions. And I went back in there in the spring and I was fleshing all sorts of mallards out of this little slough. And um, so when I got home, I checked the... Um, it's called USGS real-time data. And if you ever want to keep track of water levels, whether it's lakes or rivers, whatever, it's USGS real-time water water data. And it'll tell you exactly how high that river is. So when I got home from that trip, I made sure and marked, okay, here was the water depth that it was in which these mallards were wanting to pool up back in this little slough. 
because um, that makes a real big difference for rivers. So make sure and keep track of that. Awesome. All right, last one's you. Join local DU chapters and get to know some of the local hunters. Now, this is not something I'm not overly social when it comes to just like chit chatting with people. So we actually, I have an active um, Ducks Unlimited chapter in town here that I really need to need to um, get in with. Um, I know, I know, I know one of the guys would be pretty easy. I've actually hunted with him, but um, it's but your local DU chapter is a great place to meet people, volunteer, um, just to get to know some of the local hunters, and maybe some of them will take you out. Yeah, definitely. Um, not only that, but it's great for conservation as well. Uh-huh. So you can learn about new spots and, and uh, talk to people. And, and I've made a few relationships now talking to local people um, at DU events and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely another good option for that. For sure. But um, do you want to go ahead? Let's let's go ahead and share kind of like one of our success stories from scouting and a new place you found. Um, okay. I'll go ahead and, and lean on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a spot I wanted to go hunt and did all the map scouting on it and actually drove up there and checked it out before season um, and saw birds flying on there like crazy. So um, ended up going out there by myself and trying it out. Um, but it's just this kind of like out of the way little spot that nobody would think at. And it has like no pressure. I don't know why. Uh, I've been out there and I've seen people hunt it. I've seen people hunt it a couple times. Um, I've been out there one other time when somebody else hunted it, and I've been out there while people drove in the parking lot and went to scout it. So there is a little bit of pressure. This is tiny little pond, lake, public land. I guess it's a lake. It's a really small lake if it's a lake. Um, But, yeah, I just did my scouting, all the homework before it, and I went out and tried it. And um, it's, it's, uh, well, if you guys watch the videos, it's one of my wood duck hunt spots, and, and I just hammer the wood ducks on there every year. So Great. That, that's kind of one of my success stories of just going out there, winging it, doing the scouting and, and finding yeah. a spot. Yeah. Well, for me, it was at the same complex I've been talking about. And there was one particular place that I kept staring at on Google Maps. And I kept saying, man, it looks like there's water now. This is not a, this is an unnamed marsh. Well, since then, now they've named it and they put it on the map. But at this time, it, they didn't have it on um, listed on the Department of Wildlife and Parks maps as a marsh. But I kept looking. I was like, that's water because the satellite images sometimes can be a little bit deceiving as to whether something's water or not, but it was a five mile boat ride to get to this place. Or if you, if you went on foot, you had to portage a a kayak or a layout boat down this terrible road, cross this small lake, um, portage the, the layout boat through the woods across another river. I mean, it was really, really difficult to get into this place. So I decided, you know what? I got, I have to lay my eyes on this place. And this was a couple, about a month before the season started, I'd say. And so I took my son Nevin and we went through all of that to, to Portage Inn and took out marshmallows or roast and whatever. Anyway, we crossed the river and we walked into this place. And sure enough, it was just beautiful, full of water. And it's actually, um, Jordan, I, don't know, I posted a picture of this place on Instagram with Izzy sitting, sitting on the front of my layout boat. I just, just posted a picture of this place. And so when I got in there, um, I was just like, man, this place, it's flooded timber and I'm not, not as thick as Arkansas timber, but flooded timber, just beautiful place. And man, I was like, Oh now there, but I, there was no ducks in there. Not a single duck event was in there. So I'm just like, okay, I know there's water here. Now they're going to be ducks here. 
So the week before the opener, this was probably a month and a half, two months later, um, my dad was up here and now he had his, his big boat. So I'm like, let's go, let's go take a look at this place. So we put on the river, we go five miles down the river, um, got off, still had to portage to the woods a little bit. Cause it was kind of a side pool off, off of the main river. And we, as we got up to that place, I'm telling you, there was so many ducks in there, waves of gadwall and widgeon <laughs> and mallards. I mean, they were swarming everywhere. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> so the, the next morning we go in there and, um, this one other group had beat us in, but it was a big enough place to hold us both. So we, I went and talked to the guys and they're like, yeah, we've been coming to this place for years. And, but even on opening day, it was just that group and us. And we backed off and everything. And we were so excited together. We went like one for our first 11 and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're going to ruin this. But then we took a deep breath, calmed ourselves and shot our limit near. And our opener in this area, you don't see a lot of mallards, but we even shot some mallards and, and widgeon, it was just phenomenal. Two weeks later, I go back to that place and I didn't take the big boat, portaged all the way in by myself. And I had this entire place to myself. And there wasn't as many ducks uh, as there previously had, but I hope I'm not getting too long winded, but this is like one of my <laughs> favorite series of hunts in my entire life. Um, so I'm just, it's just Izzy and I, and we're laying under this tree and, and Jordan, if you know the picture I'm talking about, it's the, the tree on the picture yeah, with Izzy. Yeah, no. and awesome. we're, we're laying in there and it's cloudy day. And within the first hour, like three different groups just float down. And I think it was some gadwall and widgeons and I shot, I, I shot three ducks and then the sun came out and like a switch was flipped. Nothing. I mean, it went from decent movement to nothing. But it was a beautiful day and it was, you know, it was only like 10 o'clock at this point. So I'm just like, you know what? I got nothing to do. I'm just going to ride this out. So I wait until about 1130, about an hour and a half of seeing nothing. And all of a sudden this activity period started. And within like the next 15 minutes, I had three more different groups. Just every, every group I shot was like five to six birds just floating down through the trees into the decoys, you know. <laughs> and so by 12 o'clock, I had my six ducks. Hadn't seen another person anywhere on the face of the planet is how it felt. And I was just like, Oh, I felt so good because I scouted this place and found it and we're shooting limits at it all by myself. So that was certainly kind of my biggest success as far as finding a, a hidden gem. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a real cool story. <laughs> yeah. That, I consider that a probably one of my very favorite hunts of my life when I was by myself. I remember there was this one Mallard Drake that came by and he went left, right. I hadn't seen him and he got away from me about 40 yards and I gave him one little comeback call. And it's like, it's like I had a rope on him. As soon as I hit that call, he just like broke his back to turn around and float into the decoys. And man, that was satisfying. It was such awesome. a satisfying hunt. Well, f feel free to take me there anytime you want. <laughs> well, the problem is that's one of the places I've lost. It, it, it only floods on certain years. So you ha it has to have just the right amount of conditions for it to flood. And it just so happened when I first found it, it was flooded three years in a row and we were just pounding them in there. And now it hasn't, now it, it, it had some water last year, but it was choked with all this weird vegetation and nothing went in there. But I haven't, I haven't hunted it for probably eight years. Um, oh, wow. And now it's got a silt buildup in it from one of the floods. So it's, it's my favorite place. So fingers crossed at some point in my life, I'll have another good hunt in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been out of commission for quite a while. Mm. 
But with all this water this year, who knows? Maybe, maybe this fall there'll be water in there. Awesome. So yeah, all I have to say is yeah, just get after it. Have fun with the scouting. Have fun, you know, finding places. Um, you know, like Elliot said, eight years so uh, been since he hunted that. So just think long term on on the scouting and and getting out there, especially all you you new waterfowl hunters. You have a long. Um, you know, waterfowl career ahead of you, <laughs> hopefully. Yep. Just soak so, up the experience. Yeah, and you're going to have fun. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at finding spots and, and kind of building up your your arsenal. Yeah. Um, this is this was a really fun fun way to do the topic. Um, like Elliot said, we love getting messages from you guys, so feel free. Shoot us out topic suggestions, any of those places, um, and um, you never know. We might hit up one of yours. Yep. Thank you, Cody, for the great content. Awesome. Well, I think this is a good place to close it out for the night. Anything else you want to add, Elliot? Nope. Just like Jordan said, get out there and and get looking around and get on Google Maps and get staring at it and, and get it done. All right, fellas. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.